0: another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you are ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message.
1: So, well, it's, it's, a, it's great to see you guys today, and we're going to move right into the message. I'd like it if you you all would do a favor for me, though, I'm going to have you stand one more time, and we're going to read God's Word together, which is our theme scripture for this year. So come on, say it aloud with me. Come on, say it with me. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. This is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Are you in? All right, let's go. God bless you. Have a seat. Thank you, band and team. I want you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, Exodus 3, 3, 1, 5. Uh, today I'm launching a brand new series of messages that are that's entitled Radical Faith. Come on, say Radical Faith. Radical it was funny earlier this morning. I, I came in and uh, just, I walked through the auditorium and I saw that that slide up there and, and then I saw the, the the colors on the on the background and went, some creative people have got it all. I mean, they had the colors matching that. I think it's pretty cool. I, I love our creative team. That's just, they just make it look good. Thank you guys so much for all you do. But hey, I. If you're a follower of Jesus, then you're a part of what we call the Christian faith. And Christianity is the longest lasting, largest, continually growing movement in the history of the world completely. Here's the beauty of it. You're a part of it. And and this movement is unstoppable. In fact, uh, there will be a day when our leader, Jesus Christ, will literally rule this world. And, and, and this chapter that we're living in today of the story of that advancement of Christianity, it's already written in heaven, but, but we actually get to choose whether we're going to be part of the chapter or if we're going to simply uh, be someone who kind of merely exists during the playing out of that chapter. Now, I'm an, I just let you know, guys, I'm not an exister, I'm a participator, don't know if the word "exister" is a word, but my spell check didn't catch it, so I think it is. But I, I you know, I enjoy the symphony. I, I like going to Stars Hockey games. I love Broadway musicals. Yeah, I, I love art museums. Just to guys, let you know the Louvre in Paris is the most amazing art museum ever. Someday I want to spend a week there. I just can't figure out how to afford Paris and the week-long ticket to the Louvre all at the same time and justify a week spending at the Louvre. But still. I, But but what I enjoy more than observing what other people are doing or have done is to actually participate in what's going on right now. But you don't want me creating art. You don't want me doing all this stuff. You don't want me acting in a musical. You certainly don't want me playing hockey. (laughs) No, no, ouch. Uh, You you don't want me directing a symphony because I'm not gifted there. But I am a participator and I like to participate where my gifts can be used so that they can make a difference. And when it comes to our faith, which is following Christ, um, we all have the opportunity to get out on the playing field and be a participator. And the truth is, now's the time like never before to be fully engaged in what's happening. In fact, this is a time like no other. We're really blessed to be alive right now, to be followers of Jesus Christ. There's a lot of skepticism that's in the world. In our nation, the truth is skepticism is on the rise, In fact, there is this very real fear of the followers of Christ within our culture. It's true. You you see it. You hear it. You read about it everywhere. In fact, there is even a lot of anger toward the followers of Jesus Christ. Therefore, this is a time like no other. See, See, because the cool thing is what's happening at the same time is the church of Jesus is on the rise. The skeptics look at the church and they get angry because... What's happening now is the followers of Jesus are beginning to change in the impact culture. In fact, robust, orthodox belief in Jesus is statistically on the rise in the United States of America. And and I, I believe that we should all look at the facts correctly and see the contrast that's happening. And it is very true also that the number of people in America who say they have no religious preference has almost tripled in the past decade and those who are angry at christians love to point that out and 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 honestly i believe that statistic has its roots in an old uh, you know, there are a lot of different sources, but I think it has to do with an old realignment of American education. Because about a century ago, the major uni- uh, United States universities, they shifted from an overtly Christian foundation to a very firm secular approach to education. And this impacted our nation, causing many people to almost like subtly believe that educated people are not foolish enough to be Christians. Some of you have even heard that. In fact, 25 years ago, the number of teachers and professors in American universities who identified themselves as Orthodox Christians was less than 1%. Did you know that? But it's a new day. Today, in major U.S. universities, recent polling suggests that somewhere between 20 to 30% of all teachers and professors now identify themselves as Orthodox followers of Jesus Christ. Guys, let me tell you, a shift is occurring. We're living in a time like no other. Today, churches like us who believe in the infallible Bible, who believe in miracles, are growing in the United States, and they're exploding in Latin America, and in Africa, and in Asia. Even in Europe, there is now growth in in Christian church attendance. (laughs) Another cool thing is American cities are actually becoming spiritual epicenters in Manhattan, New York, a borough which has never had a strong Christian presence since its inception as New Amsterdam. Over the past 10 years, this borough has become home to some of the largest and strongest churches in the United States of America. Let me tell you guys, this is a time like none other. Times are changing. The church is uniting more. The church is fighting less. And the prayer of Jesus is coming to pass. <laughs> Hours before Jesus was crucified, he, he, he was on his knees and he pleaded with the Father in the Garden of Gethsemane. And, and, and some of the words that he said to the Father were, were this. It's found in John 17. He said, he said, God, I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity and then the world will know. You see, that, that's key right there. When, when Christ in us uh, or the glory of God inhabits us like Jesus said, and, and that word glory, it means light, it means weightiness of God, it means the presence of God. when when that happens and we begin to pursue unity as carriers of the glory of God, then the world will know that God is up to something huge. I'm telling you guys, radical faith is on the move and we are the next chapter. If you're here today and you've been serving God for 30 plus years, most of you are not even that age, but that's okay, but if you've been serving God for 30 plus years, you know this, a shift is going on. 30 years ago, it would have been a ridiculous thought to think that a, ma- that a mayor of a major American city would establish a faith leader's cabinet, yet it exists here in this city. 30 years ago, you, you, would, you would never think that a Baptist would get along with a charismatic and, and Catholics would have anything to do with the non-denominational, but it's happening today right under our noses, right here in our city. My own son, Preston, is preaching for a predominantly African-American Methodist church revival in Fort Worth next month. That would have been unheard of 30 years ago. And those of you guys who have been around a while, you know what I'm talking about. Because race and denominational barriers, they, they used to prevent God's people from getting united but not anymore. The church is unifying. Jesus' prayer is coming to pass. There's a new chapter that's being written. The followers of Jesus are rising numerically and influentially, and they're having greater impact. I love it. So what makes a follower of Christ? What makes us different? Some might say, well, it's the presidential candidate you vote for. (laughs) That's weird. Some might say, well, it's the way you dress. Well, Probably not. Well, in some cases, but probably not. Or maybe it's the things that you don't do, or it's possibly a list of the things that you're supposed to do. And I just have to say no to all of that. Here's what distinguishes us it's God's presence, His glory. You see, the Holy Spirit dwells in us, the Spirit of Christ. And and this causes God's characteristics to flow out of us, because God lives here. See, We are distinguished by the simple fact that we are carriers of God. And and if we can understand this, it can change everything that we do in life. I want to be different. I, I want to be different than the rest of the world. No, I don't want to blend into the boring fabric of the world. I crave, and I, I desire, and I, I hunger for the presence of God in my life, and He is what makes me different. When Moses had, uh, was leading God's people out of Egypt, he had this very intense conversation with God. It's found in Exodus chapter 33, verse 15, a portion of that I want to show you. <sighs> See, the, 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 this man of radical faith, basically what he did is he stated that he would rather die and rot in the desert with all of God's people if they were simply going to be like everybody else and blend in. See, he craved the, the presence of God, the glory, and the brightness of God. And he knew this, that only God could distinguish them. Look at his prayer. He says, God, if your presence does not go with us, don't even send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? Except the presence of God. And then God spoke back to Moses and he said, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you. And I know you by name. And then Moses said, oh, yes. Show me your glory, God. Guys, that's my heart too. I, I don't want to do church if the presence of God is not here. I'm not doing, the, doing this thing if God isn't with us. Why would I want to walk the ancient narrow path if the Holy Spirit is not my traveling companion? Honestly, I don't want to do church and go through religious exercises if the glory of God is not with us, bottom line. I've stated that since day one. Because without his presence, we are nothing but a self-help seminar or a personal growth conference, a family enhancement event, a business strategy seminar, or a conference on emotional well-being and a mini concert with a latte. (laughs) Hey, guys, that's nice, and that's good, but it's also shallow. It's so much less than what God designed the church to be. Because without God's presence, we are no different than those events that go on right here in downtown, day after day, week after week, right here in this neighborhood and often even in this building as we host other, other events from the community. And as wonderful as that stuff is, and it is wonderful, the church, though, is something different and distinct. Because truth be told, the companies that create these self-help programs and that hold the conferences and produce the events, they will eventually be gone, And the physical structures and the high-rises and the conference rooms themselves, they will typically outlast the companies and their programs. The buildings. But see, the church is totally different. Our movement was launched by a man who was God in the flesh, and he started out with 12 teenage boys who were not the most educated and certainly not the brightest guys in the world, and they smelled like fish. But Jesus selected these particular men because they were willing to change the world. They had radical faith, and they did change their world. And what they started is thriving today, and we're a part, and we're writing this next chapter. And what God did back then in the scriptures, I beg for him to do today, and even in greater ways. Because I want to see the glory of God in my church. I want to see the works of Christ in my city. I want to see Jesus to be made famous. The prophet Habakkuk prayed this prayer. He said, Lord... I've heard of your fame, and I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. In other, things, in other words, what he's read about, what he's heard about. But he says, repeat them in our day, in our time, make them known. Guys, the stories of the past are awesome, but I don't just want to read stories. <laughs> I want to create stories. As a believer in Jesus Christ, his spirit dwells in us. And when we come together, something ignites and the story begins to be written. Paul said it this way. He said, he said you yourselves are God's temple as individuals and God's spirit dwells in your midst. Two things. Look carefully at that. God lives in us. We're his temple. But when we come together, there's this convergence of temples (laughs) carrying God. And when that happens, something is beginning to ignite. Think about it. We are carriers of the Spirit of God. God lives in us individually. He doesn't dwell in a building or a facility anymore. And also consider this, though, is that, that together we are the body of Christ. Now, think of a physical body. Uh, you know, we're like that. There's, there's, there's like an eye, eyeball over there, and there's a pinky finger over there, and there's a nose right over there, and there's an arm back there, and there's a patella over there. Don't break the patella, all right? All right be nice to the patella. But you see, each of us are different. We have different purposes and functions, but together we're the body of Christ, and that's why coming to church is so stinking important. Did I say stinking in a sermon? I did. Because what happens is because when we are walking together in unity, nothing can stop us. Think of it like this. When we come together, God's presence is like compounded. You see, I see elements of God in you and in you and in you. But when the body of Christ comes together, we see God more clearly, his traits and his powers and his attributes. This actually develops the best picture of Jesus Christ. It's when we come together. See, I, I can't say this. I can't say, look at me and you'll see God. Yet God lives in me. Truth is, I'm a part. But I can say this, look at the church and you will see Christ. You will see the likeness of God. So in our individual lives, but especially when we come together, Jesus is being made known because God is very, very, very present. And those who launched this movement, they understood this. That's why none of those guys were mavericks. They weren't out there doing their own thing, whatever they want. No, no, they were interconnected. and They they connected with one another. And and sure, they, they dispersed all over the Roman Empire, establishing churches in a connected way so that God's people could do what? Come together, and whenever they came together, there was this explosion of Christ in their presence. It's this ancient path, you see, it was laid by people who were radical in their faith. It's a movement unstoppable, it was initiated by Jesus and his disciples. And and we got to know this 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 movement will rule the world. It's not an arrogant statement, it's truth. it most definitely will happen. It's written about in the Bible. It's written about in the Old Testament prophets and in the Gospels and the book of Revelation. It's going to happen. And this movement is in the culture, but it is also countercultural. Now, I'm not saying that having radical faith means you have to be weird because you live in the culture. to so live in it. Enjoy the positive aspects of the culture. I mean, you don't have to be Amish if you don't want to, but... Our movement is counter-cultural. See, we, we actually move in a different direction when it comes to right and wrong, love and uh, love and hate, when it comes to joy and despair, when it comes to blessings and cursings. Because as the world culture gets darker and darker, our culture gets brighter. And the contrast today between the two is actually greater than it has ever been since the beginning of Christianity. See, this movement that we're a part of is marked by light. And together, we are a bright light in the culture. Together, we are a bright city setting up on a hill. Together, we are the potent salt of the earth. (coughs) Excuse me, we are the ones who change the landscape. We're the ones who pierce the darkness. And it's catching on all across the world. See, even the smallest individual light, like the little flashlight built into your cool cell phone, when you turn it on in a dark room, it pierces the darkness. And if you're on the other side of that room, your eyes will be drawn to that because any light in darkness always stands out. Light and darkness doesn't blend in. Got it? And that's like Jesus. You know, he even came to this earth and he was light. In fact, Jesus even said it himself. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, you're never going to walk in darkness. But you will have the light of light. That's Christ now in us. Which means you don't have to walk in darkness, guys. His spirit in you is the light of life. It is that glory of God that he wanted us to have. So... If Christ, the light of the world, is in us, then we are also the light of the world, correct? Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. Wait, he just said I am. Yeah, he is, and he's in me. Therefore, I am. You are us. Together, we are the light of the world. He says, let your light shine before others. Don't blend in. Let them see your good deeds and glorify your Father who's in heaven. (laughs) see we're kind of like these little individual lights piercing the darkness and a a little light impacts heavily but you start adding more lights to it and the entire room is illuminated the atmosphere shifts darkness is dispelled and as our church grows so grows the light that comes from us As, as as the light grows greater transformation occurs see darkness can't survive because of the magnitude of the glory of god i love this stuff See, we're the light of the world, yet you and you and you and you, you're the light of the world. You can walk eight blocks east of here over to the Fort Worth Water Gardens. It's a beautiful place today, but that property has a diabolical history. It was once the center of what was known as Hell's Half Acre, and there were more suicides in that little piece of property than the rest of our county combined. Drug abuse, prostitution, poverty, and violence was what Hell's Half Acre was known for. But a church in this city said, enough. About 10, 12 blocks to our west is the Pier 1 Tower. On that piece of property, which over now, which overlooks the Trinity Clear Fork, was a Baptist church. And this congregation, about 80 years ago, began shining the light, and they chose to not be afraid, and they decided they didn't really care what people thought. See, because their love for hurting people who lived in the dark culture of Hell's Half Acre and the hurting people who were attracted there, it brought about a process of change in our city. They even got involved in politics and and that Baptist church swelled over 6,000 people and they just decided, well, we're just going to elect our own city council. And so they did. They elected a city council that had the guts to stand up against a dark culture and the darkness was obliterated. Today, it's a story for our history books. But it started with the Church. But the cause for that church was not to raise hell's half acre. Their cause was to be the church. Their cause was to be filled with the spirit of Christ. Their cause was to be light bearers in a dark culture. You know, today today we live in this culture of multiple causes. I mean, causes are everywhere. So I just want to ask you, what is your cause? What gets you up in the morning? What is the fire that burns in your bones? My my cause is the church of Jesus. My cause is to successfully take the torch of the gospel from the last generation of Christians, my dad's generation, douse it with gasoline and get that flame burning brighter, dispelling more darkness, transforming darkness into light, and then pass it along even brighter and even a more fuel-drenched torch to my children and the next generation. Far too often, we have way too many causes. And honestly, there are a lot of good, godly people that move from cause to cause and and wear themselves out. raise money for this cause. They support that cause. And I'm, you know, I'm very involved in the community. And so I'm pressured to join causes just like you are. In fact, recently I uh, I was in the process of being coerced when I stopped the coercion. But I was strongly coerced to participate in a cause of spending a day with other local ministers in a park blessing people's dogs. Now, I like dogs, but please understand this. I'm still praying for my own chihuahuas to get saved and to quit running around the neighborhood with the other dogs. (laughs) I turned them down. You see, there there are popular causes, but there are too many, and and they have this minimal, sporadic impact. Again, now, guys, catch me here. I'm not against causes, because I think, Most of you are involved in multiple ones, but the danger for us is that there are too many causes and they bring too little effect. See, a cause-obsessed Christian will find themselves forsaking the assembling of themselves together because they're so wore out because of all the causes. And therefore, they're not participating in the recharging and in the encouragement and the light explosion of God's people getting together. Hey guys, causes die; they disappear and they go away. But the church remains. And and even though the multiple causes that we often participate in are good, they can rob you of your best. Again, I, I'm a part of a lot of causes, but they're not going to get my best energies. No, no. I mean, we as a church, we recently supported a cause, uh, and, and I don't make a Big, huge deal about it, but we did. And we worked with the United Way through Compassionate Fort Worth to help people in poverty in Como and on the north side to get the tax benefits they had coming to them and to get it totally free of charge through the VITA program. I like it. And it helps people in poverty. I am all for stuff like that. In fact, next week I'll be helping to lead an appreciation dinner for all of the volunteers who participated in the good cause. But if I expend my energy on this cause, to only help people with material needs, but I forsake coming to worship and engaging the presence of God and helping people who are on their way to hell to get turned around, then I have missed it entirely. You see, because the truth is this, as good as the causes are, extra money in a person's bank account, it's a good thing. But it's nothing in comparison to streets of gold, an eternity of pain free, pain free healed, abundant, joy filled living with Jesus. Yeah. Eternity!
0: Yeah.
1: Not an extra steak dinner. My challenge is this is my challenge is quit, quit hopping from cause to cause to cause, one to another, another, another. It's gonna exhaust your energy and your resources. You're eventually gonna find yourself discouraged and disheartened. Now, radical faith inspires us to do something that's just a little bit different. See, because, and it's about a different cause, and it is to fundamentally be about what I would call our great cause, which is Jesus. And that is different than the temporary causes all around us because this has maximum and eternal impact forever. And then let your other causes flow from that. You understand? Got it? See, our great cause is seen in the church of Jesus Christ. Our great cause is what's called the Great Commission, which helps get people rescued out of darkness and discipled and, and t- baptized and transformed on the inside. And that, my friend, has the lasting effect. See, this is what the, folk, the, the followers of Jesus Christ ha, have been doing all along. And that is what, caused, what has uh, really caused the church to outlast every cause. It has outlasted every political movement. It has outlasted every nation. It has outlasted every economic downturn. Because through it all, the church remains. It's a cause worth putting your energies into. And guys, we're in the next chapter. you to sit on the sidelines and watch and applaud? You're going to jump in and have some radical faith in Jesus. I want that. I want to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in my life to empower me to change the world. And I want that for you. You want to know how to change the world? I'll give you some very quick first steps. I'll be sharing more throughout the series. This is just a little introduction. But write this down. Here's the first one. Receive Christ. Give your life to Jesus. His spirit will take up residence in you, his glory, and you will now be a light bearer. Pretty cool. We'll be praying in just a few moments for that. That's the starting place. And the second is to worship with God's people. I mean, be in church. When you hear the band start playing, uh, that is actually a one-minute notification that it's time for worship. Now, I know you might be talking with Billy Bob. And, and you haven't seen Billy Bob in months because you're too exhausted from and you've been too busy to come to church. And and, and it's just and then you see Billy Bob. It's like, oh, Billy Bob, I need to spend time with you. But here, guys, tell Billy you'll have lunch with him so that you can have some quality time with your friend instead of shallow time for 30 seconds during the worship service. Just a thought. Some of you don't like that, but it's true. Do you like that? <laughs> ha, ha, ha. Do I like it? I don't know. All right. And then tell Billy, Bob, th- 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 you know, okay, hey, you know, worship is starting. I'm going to worship. Let's grab lunch. Let's grab coffee. Pull out your phone. Make an appointment. And then get up to as close as you can and begin to worship God. Jordan introduced a new song to us today. It says the atmosphere is changing now. The Spirit of the Lord is here. The evidence is all around. That's the glory of God. The brightness. We're coming together. The convergence of the temples. The Spirit of the Lord is here. We say, God, overflow in this place. Fill our hearts with your love. Your love surrounds us. You're the reason we came to encounter your love. Your love surrounds us. Spirit of God, fall fresh on us. We need your presence. Your kingdom come, and your will be done here just like it is in heaven. And a miracle can happen now, for the Spirit of the Lord is here, and the evidence of it is all around, and the Spirit of the Lord is here. And I say, yes, 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 yes. Next, here's another way to change the world. Build relationships with God's people. This is where Billy Bob comes back in. Again, now, I'm not talking about Billy Bob's. All right? That's the honky-tonk up the road. And no, hang out with God's people, preferably not at Billy Bob's. Here's another one, walk in unity. Just refuse to get offended. Believe the best, don't be a divisive grouch and don't be debating about what the definition of is is. And then shine your light into a dark culture. (laughs) Guys, we're called to offer people hope when with the power of God in us and among us, nothing can stop the forward movement of God's plan. There's darkness that needs to be transformed in our city. Tarrant County should not have the highest child abuse rate in our city, in our state, excuse me. Trafficking should not be the negative distinction of Fort Worth anymore. Murders, families being torn apart by divorce, hopelessness, and, de- and, and depression must not rule our city. Hey guys, when you leave here, you are filled with that glory of God. And, and, and when you hear that benediction at the end of our worship gatherings, it is your blessing to go as a blessed one into the darkness as light. And the power of God is with you to change a city and to influence a culture. And then you just simply do it with the culture and the spirit of city life. That's us. Our city life culture is wrapped up in five words. Just go out there and take God and be authentic and be warm. Have energy and have happiness. Don't be a grump. Be a servant. Be a servant to someone else. And you are writing the next chapter. You're off the sidelines. You're in the action. Please, no more movement at this time. Leaders, I want you to pray now. This is the most important part of today. I'd like for you to close your eyes and focus internally. And if you want to know this Jesus we talked about and you want a clean slate, you want to live your life with a renewed sense of purpose, I want to give you an opportunity to respond by participating in this closing prayer to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And I'm simply going to ask you to raise your hand. Faith is when we respond outwardly to what's happening inwardly. And God loves you. He wants you to have life. And everything in your life can begin to change today. Would you lift your hand if you'd like for me to connect my faith with you? i we'll pray to receive Christ. Thank you. Who else? Pastor, that's me. I I need Jesus. Who else? The sinner. Who else? I want to make the choice to be a follower of Christ. I want everybody to stand. And if you raised your prayer, raised your hand, I want you to pray this prayer with me and everyone else. Come on, pray this out loud with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sin. I believe you're the Son of God. Forgive my sins. I give up my past. And I embrace the future that you have for me. I choose to let your light shine in me and through me. I choose to live the next chapter of Christianity. In Jesus' name, amen. God's presence is here and we're not ready to just like poof, be gone. No. What I want us to do is just Allow ourselves to be filled with His life, His light, and His strength. As we worship God, as we sing together, let's engage Him one last time before you're released with blessing. Come on, let's sing it out now.
0: Come on, sing these words. right here yeah come on that's awesome I've got center.org. We would love to meet